0: wow (laughs) my goodness worship was that not amazing today can we just give it up for the worship team and the media team and just everybody who's had a part in making today so special thank you to all the volunteers who have served and are serving and um I've got good news pastor Ivan already said it Jesus is alive can we just give him a big hand clap of praise right now Jesus is alive, and so we celebrate today. Let me kind of tell you what my philosophy is before we just dive in. So last Sunday was Palm Sunday, and, and the way that we like to handle that here at the Bridge, and me specifically, is I like to talk about the crucifixion. I like to talk about what Jesus did for us. And so last week we did that. We received communion together, and uh, and that was really a special time. Today on Easter. It's all about the resurrection, because Jesus not only died for us, but because on the third day He rose, now we can have new hope. Now we can have a fresh start. Now we can know anything is possible, because Jesus rose from the dead. And so that's kind of where my focus is today. That's what we're going to talk about. And uh, I know... I know that some of you, not all of you, but some of you are like me. You're a planner. You're a list person. You like to know not only where you've been, but you want to know where you're going. I see some people giving other people beside them the side eye. He's talking about you. So if you got this handout today when you walked in, I won't call you by name like Pastor Ivan did. But if you didn't receive this, you can grab one on the way out. Uh, We are starting a brand new sermon series next week, and I'm going to be talking about Church Is. And what we're going to talk about, what we're going to look at for the next few weeks is we're going to look at some stereotypes about church. And honestly, some of them the church has earned, and some of them may be a little unfair, and we're going to open God's Word and see what God would have to say to us about that. And so we're going to talk about Church Is full of hypocrites. That's what we're talking about next week. Then the week after that, well actually I don't know all the weeks after that, but we're going to talk about church is boring, church just wants my money, and so we're going to be tackling some issues and maybe some things that you've thought privately but didn't want to actually say. Uh, We're going to be talking about those, and so here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to put this flyer, this little handout, somewhere where you can see it. And I am encouraging you and asking you, would you give us one hour a week for the next four weeks? That's it. And then if after that, you're like, hey, church isn't for me, or at least this church isn't for me. uh, I can help you find a church that's more along the lines of what you're looking for. But I just want to ask you, don't just give us today. And I know there are some of you, there are several that are new, and we're so excited to have you guys. But I want to ask you to consider giving us four weeks, one hour a week for the next four weeks. And uh, we're going to tackle a topic that I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing about and that you'll love. All right. So let's get into the message today. Let me just say one more time, I'm so happy to have all you guys here. It is a packed house today, and I love it. I love guests. That's so awesome. Actually, you know what? Let me qualify that statement. I love guests at church. There is only one type of guest I like at my house. That is a planned guest. Come on, anybody with me? You there with me? Now, a lot of y'all aren't raising your hands. I'm going to show up at your house tomorrow, okay? I love a planned guest. I want to know that you are coming. In fact, let me just uh, let me stir some anxiety in all of you. I, I had Pastor Ivan. He built me this, uh, this beautiful door this week. Appreciate him. Appreciate all the hard work. I want you to pretend that this is your front door. Now, I hope your front door looks better than this, but just pretend... That this is your front door, not, not the side door under the carport, not the garage door, not the one that all the family comes to, but this is your front door. Let me just stir some anxiety in all of you right now. Oh, no. It's a guess. Who is that? Now, 30 years ago, 30 years ago, it was so much different than it is today. 30 years ago, I, I, I mean, I remember being a kid, there was a knock on the door. That was a happy moment in your home. Everybody got up. The kids would run to the door. It was it was such an exciting time, and you had to wait for your parents to you didn't open the door, you get, you know. But your parents would you would open the door, and it was just such a, an awesome time. People are here. And then you would open the door. And it didn't matter who it was. If it was grandma or if it was a traveling salesperson, you had a name for the person that was there. We've got company. I mean, it was just such an exciting thing. We've got, there is somebody here and you would bring them in. And and I don't know if your house was like this, but let me just tell you how the price household rolled back in the day. We would offer you a glass of tea or a cup of coffee or something along those lines. There would be some type of beverage offer and you would sit down for a while. And then anytime the first reference, the first out reference was made, you know what I'm saying? A person would say, uh, well, it's getting late. Or they would say, well, I didn't mean to bother you guys. Anytime somebody made an out reference, my parents would immediately say, well, now you just got here. Now don't rush off. And, and Anybody, your grandma has ever said that to you? Yeah, there's some grandma. Now don't rush off, baby. You just got here. And so it was a little bit different back in the day when guests would come. But now, what happens if there's a if there's a knock at the door? What do we do? Shh. Yeah, we hide. Shh. Get down. Baby, did you order pizza? (laughs) What are people doing here? And you're silencing the kids and you're trying to pretend like you're not home because nobody just shows up at someone's house and just rings the doorbell anymore. We don't even do that. If anything, if anything, we call from the driveway like a civilized human being. (laughs) Hey, I'm here. Is it safe to approach? Why do we do that? Because this is the South, and people are armed to the teeth. (laughs) That doesn't even make any sense. How can you be armed to the, I don't know how that works, but that is the saying, you are armed to the teeth. And so I was sharing with Pastor Ryan, who's at our Goldsboro location, I was sharing with him uh, some of my thoughts and saying, man, what do you think? Does this kind of fit in with where we're going that day? And he told me a story. It's so, it's so funny. He said, uh, in my last church, I showed up at this guy's house and I had brought an intern. There was a, a, a younger guy in the church who was shadowing me and we came And uh, we'd come to do a pastoral care visit. And he said there was kind of a gate far off and you had to kind of walk. Anyway, as they're approaching the house, he looks over and there is a green dot on his buddy's chest. And he's like, hey, it's Pastor Ryan. We're here because we love Jesus. So... So this, it's a little bit different in today's time. We don't receive guests in quite the same way. Now, I know all of you guys know that. That's why you laughed. That's why we had a good time with that. Let me tell you who doesn't know this. Some of my family. Some of my family doesn't know this. And normally, it's not a big deal. But about four years ago, my oldest son, Mason, he's an infant and uh, he's in that stage where every couple of hours he's waking up wanting something to eat wanting a bottle that kind of thing and uh, my wife god bless her she's amazing all you moms out there we're getting ready to celebrate y'all in a couple of weeks but you guys are awesome and so she is back at work her her maternity leave had ended she's back at work She's nursing, she's doing all that stuff. She fed him, she put him down, and she looks at me, and it's about 7:30, 7:45 at night. And she says, Babe, I'm so worn out. I'm going to bed. And so she goes to lay down. I said, Hey, we're good. She's gonna be back up in a couple hours anyway. And so I went to get a shower. Folks, I'm telling you, no sooner than I had gotten in the shower and gotten wet head to toe, I hear a knock at the door. And not just any knock, a I immediately go into panic. Oh my goodness, who's here? Who's beating on my door? Something's got to be wrong. Something's, you know, not right. And, And so I'm Getting out of the shower as quickly as I can for a couple reasons. One, because if there's something wrong, I want to know it. And number two, you guys have heard that saying, Hell hath no fury like. Y'all have heard that? Let me tell you what the rest of that saying actually is Hell hath no fury like a mom of a newborn baby who's just gotten that baby down and she's been back at work that probably really isn't how it goes but that was true that night in my house and so I am really like scared that she's going to wake up he's going to wake up and so quickly as I can they beat on the door two more times get out there open the door and there's one of my family members hey what are y'all doing well, and so that led to a great conversation about, you know, knocking etiquette. Let me just help you guys. If you know someone's got a child, here's kind of how you should knock. Just, just one knuckle. And then you can progressively get louder. So that just, maybe that'll help you. Anyway, here I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you who the family member was because I want to protect the guilty. But here's, here's why I share that with you. God talks about in his word, in scripture, God talks about his desire to have a relationship with you. And as he does that, he likens it to something that we all understand so well. He likens it to someone knocking on a door. Here's what he says. It's in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. It says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Isn't that amazing? I mean, just stop and think about that for a moment. That God, the God who created the earth and everything in it and on it, the God who created the solar system and the galaxy, the the God who created... All of the little details that you can't even see without a microscope. The God who created all of that, the all knowing, ever present, all powerful God says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. That God is knocking at our door and he is on the other side feeling the sting of a broken relationship. He knows what it's like to have something that he wants that he doesn't have because he wants a relationship with each and every one of you. And so he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And so what I want to do today is I want to tell you as simply as I know how, how to have a relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with this God, this God that I just described, all powerful, all knowing, ever How do we as mere humans have that relationship with God? And my goal today is really to take the cookies and put them on the bottom shelf so that everybody can have one, whether you've been in church all your life or this is your very first Sunday attending any kind of church service. I want to make this hopefully as simple as I know how. So let's jump right into it. Number one. God loves you, and He wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you, and He wants to have a relationship. That's the first thing you need to understand. That it's not just certain people that God knocks on their doors. It's not just the elite. It's not just the people who do 100 hours of community service or more. God stands at every one of our doors and knocks. There's a a scripture. You guys know it, even if you've never been in church. It's John 3, 16. Here's what it says. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God loved the world. The world, everybody, all of humanity, all of humanity past all of humanity present, and all of humanity future. He loved all of us so much that He sent His one and only Son. And I love that next word, that whoever, whoever would open the door, whoever would choose to have relationship with Him, it's not, it's not like you're opening the door and you're hoping He's there. He's chosen you And the question is, will you choose him back? So this is for everybody. But the second thing we need to understand is our relationship with God has been broken by sin. It's been broken by sin. Adam and Eve at the very front of the book in Genesis, they're in the Garden of Eden. They're in this incredible relationship with God. God tells us in that book that In the cool of the day, he would come down and he would walk through the garden with them. And he would talk to them face to face. God would come down and have this just intimate relationship with them. And at that time, in the Garden of Eden, there was one rule. They didn't even need ten commandments. They didn't need a bunch of laws, a bunch of rules. There was one rule. Do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's it. And yet, in Genesis chapter 3, in comes the serpent. And the serpent tempts Eve. She's, uh, he tempts her to eat from that tree. Then she entices Adam to eat from the tree. And immediately, God knows, and, and that sin breaks the relationship. Ultimately, they would be banished from the garden, and their relationship with God changed forever forever. But I want you guys to understand something. It's not just Adam and Eve who sinned. It's all of us as well. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2.1, You were dead through trespasses and sins. It's not just my sin. It's not just Adam and Eve's sin. It's all of our sins and our sins have broken the relationship and they've introduced death into the relationship with God. But God knew that would happen and He loved us so much that He didn't let that stay the case. He brought about a solution for our problem. Number three, God provided a solution for our broken relationship and His name is Jesus. It's Jesus. He sent His Son 1 Peter 2, 22 through 24. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. are talking about Jesus here. Read this next part with me. He himself bore our sins in his body. When Jesus was on that cross, you need to understand, all of Andrew's sin was on Jesus. All of your sin, all of humanity's sin, God picked it up, took the burden of that sin off of humanity and put it on Jesus. And when Jesus died on that cross, all of our sin was on him. Why did he do it? So that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. We don't have to die in our sins. Our situation is not without hope. Now we can live for righteousness. We can have a life that quite frankly we didn't deserve because Jesus took all of our sin and all of our shame and all of our suffering on him. And because he did that, now we can live for righteousness. Now we can have hope. Now we can have abundant life here on earth and we can have eternal life with God in heaven. I want to show you what Paul said to the church at Corinth he said, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who was Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, so he appeared appeared to the twelve disciples, twelve apostles, same same thing. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred brothers at once. And notice this next part, so important. Most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Why did did Paul make sure to tell the church at Corinth that? Because if Jesus had just died for our sins, okay, there's a lot of people who claim to be God and, and died. The thing that makes Jesus so unique is that he didn't stay dead that on the third day he rose again, and that had never happened before. And so all of Christianity, all of our faith hinges on that. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, then what we're doing here today is really of little consequence. But he did. And, And so Paul says, the reason you can know the resurrection is real the the reason you can know that this isn't a fake, that I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes, that I'm not trying to get one over on you, is because there were a lot of people who saw him and they're still alive. Go and ask them. Don't believe me. Don't take my word for it. Go and ask them. And so you might be sitting here saying, well, Pastor Andrew, there's nobody like that today. How can I know that Jesus really rose from the dead? So many proofs. Scripture tells us so many convincing proofs. Let me give you a few of them. The, the second one I want to show you is that historians in that day, they actually wrote about Jesus's life, his death, and his resurrection. Men who never followed Jesus and didn't even follow Jesus after he was resurrected, Two in particular, just historians. It would be like a newspaper writer in Mount Olive writing about news that's happening in Mount Olive. They were just recording the events of the day. They had nothing to gain and nothing to win by doing that. And yet, historians wrote about that. I'll tell you another one, and this is probably the most convincing one to me. When you... Look, after the upper room experience, you see the disciples in the four Gospels. And when you see them, when Jesus is going through the series of illegal trials, when Jesus is being punished and beaten, and when Jesus is hanging on the cross, they're a bunch of cowards. They've run off. They've scattered. They've denied Jesus. They're scared to death. Here's this guy, our teacher, our rabbi, this guy who we thought was God, we've been following him for three years. We thought he was going to be a king. And, and even though Jesus had told them what to expect, they still didn't understand fully. And so these disciples, they're, they're a bunch of sissies. And then Jesus rises. On the third day he rose and he appeared to them. And this same group of guys, the same group, they go out and they start the church. They go out and they write the New Testament. They go out and they witness and they start churches. And they do all this amazing, all these amazing things to propel the church forward under threat of their own life. And actually every single apostle died a martyr's death. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't die for a lie. The only reason that those men were willing to give it all, they were all in, they were going to give it all, even if it meant their life under fear of persecution, under fear of death, and ultimately they would give their life because they had seen a resurrected Jesus and it changed everything. And so they went out emboldened. They went out powerful and they changed everything the course of history. I want to ask Nicole to come up and play. In His resurrection, I'm getting her to play because I sound better when she's up here. And even if that's not true, the stage looks better when she's up here. Hear me, guys. In His resurrection, Jesus proved that He was who He claimed to be, that He was the Son of God, that He was God in the flesh. That's why when people say, well, you know, I'm not sure what I believe about Jesus. I think he was, I think he was a good person. Hear me. He claimed to be God. He, he said, he told people, I am God. You should worship me like I am God. I and my father are one. So either he's a liar and he wasn't telling the truth and he's not God, or he's a lunatic and he's crazy and he thought he was God and he wasn't. He's a liar, he's a lunatic, or really and truly, he's Lord. And and so what I want you to see today, what what I'm trying to teach, what I'm trying to persuade you of, is that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and your sins, but he didn't stay dead. The grave couldn't hold him. Death couldn't keep him. On the third day, he rose again. And he is standing outside your door. And he's asking you to make a decision. And, and you can think he's a liar. You can think he's a lunatic. Or you can think he's Lord. And that's your prerogative. That is completely up to you. But if you want a relationship with God, number four, the fourth thing you have to do is you have to open the door. You have to open it. Put Revelation 3.20 back on the screen. He says, when you open this door, when you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. It's not a maybe It's not a, if we open the door and then Jesus likes what he sees, he'll come in and have a relationship with us. He promises us that if we will let him into our lives, if we will let him into our hearts, he'll have a relationship with us. But I want you to know something Jesus will only knock on the door, he won't knock the door down. I love cop shows. I love cop shows. You'll see a cop show and they'll have a search warrant and they'll knock, but that's it. Then they bring in the banner. Hey, we're coming in. Step back from the door. Boo. Boo. And they, they've got a right to be there. God said, I'll never do that. I've given you free will. Now, God... He could make every single one he could make us stand up this morning, he could drop us to our knees, and he could make praises flow out of our mouth. He made you. You think he can't make you stand up? He made you. But he said, "I'm not going to do that, because I won't love this real. I don't want love this forced. He's not going to knock down our door, but he stands outside of our door with patience and long-suffering. And he knocks. And I believe there are some of you here today and you know it. In your spirit, you know that God is knocking on your door. I'm asking you to answer. Open the door. Let him in. I know that for some of us, the reason why we are hesitant to make this decision about Jesus is the same reason we hide whenever people come to our house. Because when there's a knock at my door, I am immediately aware of things I wasn't aware of just five seconds earlier. The kids' toys are strode everywhere. There's dirty dishes. The clothes are folded, but they're not put away. We're not ready for guests. For some of you, you're thinking, dude, I'm not. You listen to me. You don't clean up and come to Jesus. You come to Jesus and He will help you clean up. He'll help you be the person you want to be. He'll help you straighten up the affairs of your life. So I'm asking you today to open that door. What does that look like? All you have to do Is say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I believe that you died on that cross for me, and I believe that you rose on the third day, and I'm asking you to come live in my heart. And when we do that, we are opening up the door for him. I'll say one more thing, and I'll be done. There's a place in our country called Death Valley. Death Valley, it's located in California. I got a picture I'll show you. It is exactly like it sounds. It is full of death. That nothing lives there. Nothing. They've got signs up when you're about to enter because they want you to know you don't just want to wander into Death Valley. It will not bode well for you. As a matter of fact, Death Valley is is so unforgiving. The hottest temperature ever recorded on the face of the earth anywhere was recorded in Death Valley in 1913. It's full of death. But in December of 2004, something strange happened. Something amazing happened. And that is Death Valley in the month of December in the year 2004 received seven inches of rain. Now, typically, Death Valley gets an inch and a half of rain annually. But in this one month, they got seven inches of rain all at one time. Well, the next day, nothing happened. It still looked like that. And for a few months following, you couldn't really tell. It didn't make any difference. But on Easter of 2005, Death Valley looked like this. It's what scientists refer to as a super bloom. See, Death Valley is full of seeds. Millions and millions of seeds. And Death Valley's not dead. It's just dormant. There's just seeds that are waiting on life. And in 2004, they got that life that they needed. And so they were able to spring forth... Why do I bring this up? Because for some of you, you came here to church this morning to appease a parent or a grandparent. I'm just here because it means a lot to somebody else. And and, and for some of you, you came and it was just kind of the thing to do and well, it's Easter. You're kinda of supposed to go to church that day and we've got to take a picture and put it on social media. I mean, you know. And there are areas of your life that are dead. You look at your marriage. You're mourning the loss of a loved one. There, there's a career field that seems like a dead end. And you've been in too long. And now you've can't. Re- got to wait on retirement. And you're struggling to find your purpose. W- whatever it is, you look around and it looks like that first picture. It just... I'm here to tell you that your situation's not dead, it's just dormant, it's just dormant. On the other side of this door is life. Will you let Jesus in? As a matter of fact, this passage, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, we really view this as an evangelistic passage and that's kind of how I'm preaching it today. But God wrote this to the church in Laodicea. And the thing he tells us about the church in Laodicea, just a couple verses earlier, he says, you're not hot, you're not cold, you're just lukewarm. And so I want to spew you out of my mouth. I I wish that you were hot. I wish that you were cold. I wish that you would have the door completely open and and be open to everything I want to do. Or I wish that you would just shut it in my face. But but you've just kind of got me like this. And I can't come in. Don't be lukewarm. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and sup with him and he with me. You can have a relationship with God this morning right where you are. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to tell you how. If you will just pray this prayer and mean it in your heart, you will be saved on this Easter 2019. So let's pray. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. I believe that he is God. I believe that he died on a cross and he bore all of my sin. And right now, I'm asking that you would forgive me of my sin. I'm opening the door. God, would you come in and have a relationship with me? I want to be saved. Help me live this decision out every day of my life. I pray it all in Jesus' name.